eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to 14 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. And welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You join us after the majority of Week 7 is in the book. We have still just got the Monday Night Football game between the Bears and the Los Angeles Rams to go. And what a Week 7 Sunday it was, James. Uh, we were just saying off air that uh, it was really fitting that the the witching hour before Halloween was the the biggest one of the season, maybe even in red zone history. It was, it was quite a, a five minutes specifically, wasn't it, James? Oh gosh, this so many different twists and turns in the ending. I mean, some some of them are even predictable, like the Falcons blowing it. But it was just unbelievable how so many games pivoted towards the end of the reaching out. It was it was great to watch. Yeah, it was. And Scott Hansen earned his money yesterday. It was back and forth, to and from, and with the games like the the Browns and the Bengals, there was five. Uh, take the lead, touchdowns in that one. Like you say, with the, the Lions and the Falcons, Todd Gurley accidentally scoring the, the touchdown. <laughs> like I saw somebody tweet saying um, only only the Falcons could score a... Uh, score a losing touchdown. That's what, score, a, score a losing touchdown. Score a touchdown to lose. <laughs> score a touchdown to lose. Like, But obviously he'd already done it in college. He'd already stopped at the one-yard line to, to, to be the hero in, in college. And then all he had to do was stop. And he realised as he's taken the ball over the plane and obviously Matt Stafford, as he's done so many times throughout his career, marched the ball down the field to, to get the game-winning touchdown. And I've got a friend who is a Lions fan and a Todd Gurley owner. So they just, <laughs> they just got the best of every world there. Like That's a deal. Yeah, getting the getting the garbage time, if you like, uh, Todd Gurley touchdown and then uh, the Lions win as well. So... Yeah, Steelers and Titans was brilliant as well. Yeah. The, the Titans come back from, from way down, right, coming back. It was uh, – Saints-Panthers was a great game. They were, they were all fantastic games, but um... – uh, Steelers-Titans is the resident Steeler fan around. My reaction was very similar to Ben Roethlisberger when Goskowski kicked it and just you're thinking, oh, this is game's going to overtime. And just watch it drifting right, drifting right, and just Ben's reaction just going, oh. <laughs> Like, there's been some I mean to be fair that's made some cracking memes for the last few days with sort of six and oh kind of I mean it's been brilliant I mean the last unbeaten team so yeah congrats it's just that game was oh as a Steelers fan it was like the heart was stopping at times and then you know I've never cheered a missed field goal so much in my life as that one and Gostkowski thankfully has the ability to do that in my book. But uh, no, some corking games this weekend, I have to say. Long may this continue. We don't talk about kickers too often, but Guskowski, now you've got to think that this time Tennessee's coming to coming to an end. And he's been part of the furniture in the kicking world. Obviously, he's been the, the kicker in New England for, for years and years. And he's been somebody, he's been one of those few kickers, like your, your Justin Tuckers, that stay with the same team year after year after year because they're such a vital part of the offence. So Guskowski, obviously, it was a it was a new era in Tennessee, but he's 
they've been lucky so far that they've remained unbeaten with some of the misses that he's made. But then this one now has has started to cost them. So was he was he on borrowed time before? Do we reckon that Kaskowski is in danger of getting cut by the Titans? It's possible. I'd say at the moment, I don't know whether they have a kicker in their practice squad that they'd be willing to trust rest of season. I think the one, if Ryan Suckup had been on the market, then I think it would have already happened. But of course, he's kicking for the Bucks at the moment. And we know the history of Bucks and kickers, and they finally found one that isn't letting them down. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a strange one. I I don't I can see it being if he loses them another game because I would say that he prevented them from a chance of winning the game. But if it if a similar event happens, then there is a possibility to look in the open market. But I think all kickers in general are, you know, certainly the ones on the market at the moment would have their own struggles. Um, I mean, how many kickers have the Jags used this year? They had Lambeau back this week, and then we're going for two pointers all the time. So, and I think that was they they've gone through five, which suggests that the open market isn't fantastically grand either. So that might be Goskowski saving grace, but he has had some good weeks. It's just that he's when he's bad, he's really bad or very costly. So um, that's why so many league, fancy leagues don't use kickers anymore. Yeah, but at the, at the other end of the scale, it would be a miss. And I'm, I'm really sorry, James, if I am going to hear... Ruin one of your one of your players that you were going to discuss, but uh, Tyler Bass for the Buffalo Bills with he, he missed two field goals. He only he only hit seventy five percent of them, but he had eight attempts. Uh, and what did he get in the end? Twenty three fantasy points. Yeah, so it was a very uh, Brandon McManus our Young Kui Ku performance from from last week. So we, we, we're getting a few of these big, high scoring, twenty point kicking games for uh, a position that is uh, supposed to have been banished from from the game of fantasy by now. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I was thinking. I wasn't necessarily thinking that you uh, string kicker against the Jets, just because so many times you're scoring touchdowns on them. But the Bills were just so ineffective against them. It was kind of weird. But, you know, it's not often that you can miss two field goals and still end up as, I believe, kicker number one on the week unless uh, something happens tonight. But just, I mean, to be fair, the, the annoying thing was that their misses were kind of costly because the over, um, sorry, the uh, money line was uh, plus 10, I believe, on the um, on the betting. Okay, yeah. uh, so uh, they either of them missed ones had gone in the... Uh, the plus minus 10 would have happened. So that, and I had that as you can guess by my voice. So, um, <laughs> and it was the only one that let me down. So uh, Tyler Bass, fantastic day, but you still didn't do well enough apparently. <laughs> so if you're listening Tyler, you do owe James a little bit of money. I'm sure he will happily send his PayPal details across to you. But we, enough talking about kickers. And like I said, I do apologise, James, if I have ruined, if you're frantic no, now scribbling, no, okay. scribbling to change one of your MVPs or honourable mentions. But we will head into the first segment. So, James, who was your fantasy MVP of the weekend and why? Nah, it wasn't, it wasn't Tyler Bass. There's only one person I can mention here. Well, actually, I suppose there are two, but there's only one I can go with. It was last night. I wasn't able to stay up for it, and I really wished I had. And it's Tyler Lockett. And it's funny how I believe Lockett was one of the start and sit and Giffen players that we had. And um, I think I put a gif of a bike lock saying lock it in. <laughs> and 
oh my goodness, that's not what I expected when I said that. But 15 receptions on 20 targets for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you still lose the game. It was. It's kind of incredible when you know that DK Metcalf was, I think he had three catches all game. It just, everything seemed to go to Lockett from Russell Wilson. It was just that it's a game where the stats were just racking up and racking up. And we have another game where, an, you know, a skill player who is not a quarterback goes over 50 fantasy points in PPR. We seem to be getting almost one a week at the moment, but it's just changing completely. Um, it makes it very interesting in Seattle because obviously everyone's been on the bandwagon saying that DK Metcalf is now the number one and, you know, how Russell Austin thinks he's going to be one of the greatest of all time. And then suddenly that was a smokescreen and suddenly Tyler Lockett looks like he's the absolute hero of a lifetime. So it it actually is difficult because you know that one is going to boom each week more than likely, but there's every chance that the other is going to bust and suddenly you're on a bit of a fantasy knife edge where you probably have to, if you have either, you have to play them, but know that there is a 50-50 chance you're going to bust. But the, 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 thing, the thing is, the boom is a huge boom at the moment. I mean, yeah, 53 points. That I don't see happening again, but in that offense, who knows? It, anything's possible there at the moment. Yeah, Tyler Lockett, and what a performance. And there have only been 14 instances in NFL history where a player has had more receptions in a single game. So he's he's planted himself on the record books there with, uh, with 15 receptions in that one. But I did mention before the show, well, it was uh, my game to cover in the, the, the preview pod on Friday. And I did mention that because the, the Cardinals were quite stingy against the against the past this year that Lockett and Metcalf would become a wide receiver two and three as opposed to wide receiver one and two so we've we've, we've got a, a one and a well not even a three out of this one but I wasn't expecting Maybe. it to be to be this way around so incredible performance there and Tyler Lockett with his receptions alone would have been wide receiver 32 on the week. If we'd have taken yeah. away all his yards, all of his touchdowns in PPR yeah. leagues, he would have been the wide receiver 32 on the week. Outscoring people like... receptions. Yeah, just, just, just absolutely incredible performance there. And the quarterbacking in that matchup, we've, we've got Kyler Murray, who um, had, a, had a stellar week there, uh, 360 passing yards, three touchdowns, and then on the ground, 14 carries for 67 yards and a touch. And, and obviously Russell Wilson, although he did throw the three picks, he had the, the rushing yards, the passing yards and the touchdowns to boot. So this was a fantasy mine, minefield. I was going to say minefield, then a fantasy mine shaft, mine, diamond gold mine, field. gold, gold mine. mine, gold, gold mine. mine. We'll that. That's the mine analogy that I was looking for. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a fantasy, <laughs> fantasy gold mine, that one. And I just wish I'd had more shares of it. And we, we call it being a good one going into it. And as an NFC West fan, as a 49ers fan, it, it does scare me that both of these yeah. teams look as good as they are. But yeah. they're beating each other up. So oh, yeah. if, if we can all beat each other up, uh, the 49ers might have a, a better way to the, to the playoffs. But Speaking of, um, you know, have future riches and, you know, gold mines and everything else, Kyler Murray is starting to become the quarterback I most want in you know, if I have a choice of all quarterbacks in dynasty 
I'd have him over Lamar and Mahomes at the moment in Dynasty. And I don't know if that's controversial to anybody, but I think I'd want Kyler over Mahomes in the Dynasty at the moment. Well, I'm just trying to quickly work out what 34 divided by 48 is for his... um... Yeah, so it was a nearly a 71% completion rate on 48 passes is incredible. Uh, 360 yards and three touchdowns. Like I said, they are good passing stats alone. He, he did throw the, the one interception, but that is a decent passing stat line. But then to have the, the rushing ability on top of there as well, I think Lamar is a bit too much of a one-trick pony, like you probably just alluded to there, with saying you'd rather have Kyler over him. So with, with Kyler Murray's ability, it's, it's really scary to... to to, to watch as a 49ers fan to see those quarterbacks. And then uh, you've got Goff and Garoppolo, the other two of the four that are uh, completely, completely different, but fantastic matchup and yeah, some, some real fantasy gems. Although Kenyon Drake is set to miss a few weeks due to, due to an injury he sustained in that one. It wasn't a great day for him before he, before he went off James. No, I think, and I was I was kind of thinking about saying this before he went down and before all the you know fact that he's going to miss multiple weeks now um, came out. I was thinking, in fact, to be fair, I was thinking this pre-game that Chase Edmonds actually is the running back to own in in Arizona and probably was anyway. But I mentioned it on the pod a few weeks ago about that you know his passing you know his receiving game is much stronger and gets you you know probably a higher floor in many respects, but. Throughout the rest of this game, Edmonds just always seemed to be the more reliable back for any kind of situation. And it just seems like he is, you know, he's the one that you want going forward. Um, considering he was on he was on waiver wires only a few weeks ago. Uh, it's quite a turnaround, but Drake is probably going to be one of those players now that is going to end up on a lot of waiver wires because he was. It was a. Do we drop him? Bef- you know, before this week even, and now an injury is like that decision's been made for you, and you don't even have to worry about it anymore. And so many players where it's like, you know, they're only going to be out one or two weeks. Do you scoop them up and you know stash them on your bench so that you can use them after they are back? This is not one of those instances. I think Edmonds takes over, and even when Drake's back to full health, he probably won't make many inroads in all honesty a lot of that rushing games sort of hurt by Kyler Murray being so good at his own rushing game and then being so accurate in the passing game that you know you almost need your running back to be basically a you know dump off receiver in many respects which is what Edmonds is really good at and Drake isn't really so um it's just a scheme thing more than anything Drake could find himself somewhere else in the yeah, medium term future, but I don't think he's actually going to be particularly effective anywhere now. I think uh, all of Rob's preseason prophecies are coming to the front again. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was left. Well, it was it was one of those where uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago where I, I made the point on the podcast that Chase Edmonds in PPR leagues had outscored Kenyon Drake on every single week of the season so far. And then, of course, right on cue, Kenyon Drake has that game against the Dallas Cowboys. And he goes off for 160 yard yards and two touchdowns. And I was like, ah, yes, we were right about Kenyon Drake after all. And it's just, I think I a little bit was too much. Was like, whoa, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah, we were wrong about Kenyon Drake. Yeah, he's brilliant. But no, you've just got to sometimes remember, look, 
that was one game out the whole season so far. And, and it was the Cowboys. It was the Cowboys. And before he went out of this game, he had 14 carries for 34 yards compared to, to Chase Edmonds's five for 58. And Chase Edmonds has got that big playability. I, I think they will bring in another running back. Um, I don't know whether Chase Edmonds is going to be able to have 20 to 25 touches a game. I, I just don't think he's that kind of back. And he does rely on, similarly to a player like Alvin Kamara, he does rely on uh, that that slightly less frequent, but does more with it, those touches. So they will bring someone in to, to, to give the, the ball a bit of a carry. But yeah, Drake, I, I think it'll be hard to, to get him back into the lineup. Once, uh, once he is back fit. So, yeah, droppable at this point, definitely. Okay, James, anything else to add from that thriller, that 71-point uh, thriller in the desert? No, nope. I will let you take it away with your pick. Wonderful. So we are remaining in the West, but this time headed over to the AFC West as we look at Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback who... Yeah, he's played lights out ever since he's come into the lineup to replace the injured Terod Taylor. And uh, Anthony Lynn has said that he wasn't the quarterback for the rest of the season. He's just played with that chip on his shoulder and he has looked phenomenal. He was the overall player three on the week, only behind Tyler Lockett and Devontae Adams. And he was, uh, I was going to say by far, but it was 0.4 points, the, the best quarterback on the week. And the rookie looked really good again. And it's similar to a situation to, to what we've just discussed with, with Kyler Murray there. He had a fantastic passing stat line. So it was 27 for 33, which isn't the, the most um, accurate, but he had 347 yards for three touchdowns and no interceptions. And most interestingly, he had nine carries for 66 yards and a touch. This guy is not afraid to put the ball and run. And compare him to, to Philip Rivers. I think I heard on the commentary yesterday that the his 31 uh, yard long run was the longest run by a uh, charge of quarterback since 1988 might be wrong might have got the decade wrong it might, might have been 98 but I'm pretty sure it's 1988 so the charges it's a completely different element there to, to him there and we, we expected a bit of the, the rushing with with Sarod there but Herbert is bringing the element and he is just spreading the ball all over the show like he threw a touchdown to Virgil Green I had zero idea that Virgil Green was still in the league he <laughs> Seemingly isn't in the league anymore after the injury he sustained on said touchdown. Oh, but, that was horrible. Yeah, it was. It was um, just one of those moments where you saw the ankle going completely the wrong way. And hopefully it was just one of those sprains that he can uh, bounce back from. But yeah, I had no idea that Virgil Green was still in the league until he caught a touchdown off Justin Herbert this weekend. Uh, Keenan Allen, as ever, is yeah. Mr. Target. He 13, another 13 targets in this one, 10 receptions and 125 yards. And I was going to say in PPR leagues, but that's a decent standard performance as well, even without the touchdown. In PPR, he is just a must-start every single week with that with that volume of work that he's getting. And we, we've just said as well with Tyler Lockett, he was wide receiver 32 based on receptions alone. And whilst Keenan Allen isn't that high, he's looking at the lower hundreds range. That's just on his receptions. We've got 125 receiving yards to go on there as well. And... This is about Austin Eckler. So Austin Eckler is going to come back. Austin Eckler is going to man, demand targets and receptions and carries. So this offense is looking really good. It surprised me a little bit that the defense is, is the unit that's that's letting them down a little bit. So I think is Derwin James that big of a factor that they're missing, James? It's a key position, to be fair to them. And 
they haven't had the depth there that they need. They seem to always be ravaged by injuries, and they're always the really key players at key moments. And losing Derwin James this season, it'd be very interesting to see how this team would have fared with Derwin James this season. But it's weird. The Chargers have every piece there you would imagine to be able to challenge. It's just all about staying healthy. And I don't know whether they need some kind of change up in you know the way they do things medically. I mean, if the doctor can puncture the lung of the quarterback, then there's clearly some question mark to be made of the medical staff in that team. But, you know, the, you can't doubt the personnel. It, it's just depth on that defense that they're really struggling with, I would say. And whilst, you know, play, a game against the Jags is a good tonic to any kind of ailment that you have at the moment, um, the fact that they still gave up 29 points to the Jags is still a bit of a concern. And, the, you know, Herbert is fantastic and is going to be up there over the next few years. I can, you can sort of see it already. Is there is star written there? It's just a case of they don't look like a team that are going to win by outscoring others, like Seattle have been near enough having to do, and how Atlanta have been running, trying to run in the last few years. It's you know, you feel like they need their defense to you know plug some more holes in order for them. Together, but when you think about the star names they've got, you know they've got Jerry Bosa, um, that, amongst others, Melvin Ingram. Um, so they've got talent. They just need to get a whole unit together. But you know, every, every year we come into the season thinking they're a, they're a genuine contender, and then just something, usually injury, completely ruins them. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can go on a bit of a run from here and get a bit of cohesion. Um, especially now that Herbert's cemented himself already. So uh, we shall see. Yeah, but what is really worrying me, apart from Keenan Allen and probably Austin Eckler when he gets back, it is really, really difficult to predict where that ball is going to go to, which for the Chargers is absolutely brilliant because it means as a NFL defence, it's really difficult for them to predict who the ball is going to go to, which makes play calling a damn slight easier. But if you look at the number of players that had a carry here, so 32 total team carries, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players uh, were listed as having a carry. Yeah, Easton Stick got a carry when he knelt the, get, knelt the ball, but a carry is a carry, but we're still spreading then six carries over another 31 players. We've got wide receivers having the carry. We've got Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson, and Troy Main Pope. That's three running backs there in the mix. People have been debating over the last few weeks, Kelly or Jackson, Kelly or Jackson, and neither is getting a clear enough cut role in that running back. Neither is getting a large enough carry share to make them worth having. It's, it's not the Melvin Gordon Austin Neckler show that we saw from last year. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult to predict. And then equal, equally with the targets as well, we had Mike Williams absolutely go off that monster game. And we're like, oh, okay, Justin Herbert does throw the ball to, to Mike Williams. And then all of a sudden, three targets, one reception, four yards. Hunter Henry in a similar position. He had seven yards, three receptions for, for 23 yards. And sorry, seven targets, three receptions, uh, 23 yards. It was Virgil Green that got the touchdown. And then you've just got just random wide receivers that we'd never heard of at the start of the season, catching balls, catching touchdowns. And it's really difficult one to predict there. And I think it is, apart from Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert at the moment, it is impossible for you to predict. And everyone is a set. Yeah, I have to have to agree. It's it's great for the NFL team, terrible for fantasy, unless you own Herbert, Eckler, or Allen, basically. 
Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is one of those interesting ones. He was he was a, he was in play to be one of the um, busts of the week, but I, I left him out of it because you know it's tight end day. But <laughs> um, now nah, he's been a bit of a disappointment this season because you know you'd have thought him with a full feign of health and with a quarterback who is you know really as good as Herbert is. I thought Hunter Henry would have been used a lot more, but. So far, they've been almost tight end by committee. Donald Parham got in again. So, you know, the coming out of the XFL, it's 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 interesting, but you just there's just that big play. In some ways, it, there is a little bit of game script to consider the fact that the defense are leaking so much. Um, Herbert feels like he does have to go for the big play quite often, and the big plays tend to be going to the you know, speed freaks who are not quite as known, like Jalen Guyton, who has a bit of a, he seems to have had a bit of a ability in recent weeks where he maybe has one or two plays a game, but they always seem to be 70-plus yard touchdowns. Oh, if you've got him in best <laughs> ball, you're laughing. If you, yeah, if you <laughs> picked up Jalen Guyton in best ball, I mean, to be fair, considering no one knew who he was until the early weeks of the season, then kudos to you because that's just unreal in terms of what he's doing. It, it's not it's not even a player that you can feel like you can pick up because you're literally saying, you know, it's 50-50. He either has a big play or he has nothing. And it's like a bit of one of those DFS, you know, shoot the moon money shots and, you know, Millie Maker kind of games. But... It's just hilarious seeing it go around, but yeah, Herbert Herbert's one that you want in Dynasty for certain, and the receiving core is not something you want to be trying to predict every week. So it's not fantastic for fantasy, but you know, there's if you're a Chargers fan, likely, let's hope. Yeah, and I do apologise, James, because I am going to leapfrog you here because I want to talk for my honourable mention about a player from the same game. And that is James Robinson. Your namesake, he yeah, he just he just does it every single week. And finally, sorry, James Robinson, to, to really rain on your parade here, but finally we've heard some news about Rykel Armstead. So yeah. we've we've said all season that he's seemingly seemingly had COVID forever, but it turns out that he has actually been hospitalized twice with it and he's now set to miss the rest of the season. So thoughts with Reichel Armstead uh, dealing with this at the time, but selfishly from a fantasy perspective, that means that we can now roll with James Robinson for the entirety of the rest of the season. And the bloke had 26 touches of the ball. He had 22 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. And to, to equal that as well, he was the second most targeted jag on the day uh, with six targets, four receptions, it was only 18 receiving yards, but he got the receiving touchdown as well. So big monster day from James Robinson there. And what is telling here is that 22 carries for me. It was a season high for him. And there's, there's no other running backs in contention for those carries. But equally, he was the second most targeted player. DJ Chark being the first with seven, but he only had one reception as, as we start to now. Well, we don't, but the, the questions are arising now as to whether Gardner Minshew has got the future there in Jacksonville. So... James Robinson, have a day in what was a... And what you don't often see is 22 carries from a running back in a game like this, where it was so back and forth, so back and forth in, in, in a high scorer. So, yeah, big yeah. big kudos to you, James Robinson. You are, considering you are undrafted free agent, you weren't drafted in fantasy leagues, 
yeah, it's a big season for you. So absolutely take my hat off to you as my honourable mention. A way of a wire winner. Actually, yeah. while we're while we're talking Jags, because I was I was originally going to bring up Chark as um, bust one of my busts of the week, but and then talk about the Jags then. But since we brought them up now, I mean, go for this. They go on to buy next week in week eight, and then week nine they come back, and I believe it's a divisional game against Houston again. Does Gardner Minshew still have his starting quarterback role in that game in week nine? Yes. I say no. <laughs> I, I say yes because I am very much struggling to remember who the backup is. I know it's the bike with the is Christian Mike Bond. Lennon. Oh, Mike Lennon, same same player. Yes, yeah, it's, it's you've got Mike Lennon and then the rookie Jake Luton are the are the two other options. And the Jags now know they're in free fall trying to get a low end pick and pray that the Jets get a win so that they have a t- chance at Trevor Lawrence effectively. And Minshew's had his hype, he's had his mania, he's had his moustache. But I think the front office are going to get to the point where they want the hype to die down so that they can build up the hype potentially for Trevor. And Minshew in recent weeks, just even though for fantasy, he's not been bad. It's, it's like going back to Blake Bortles, where the guy was... Fantastic for fantasy, but terrible for an NFL team where garbage time used to account for a lot of his points back in the days. Minshew can keep the Jags in a game, but he's just incapable of getting them wins at the moment, it would appear. And yes, he has scrambling ability, but he just isn't finding receivers particularly well. And, you know, you have Shark, you have Chenault. Keelan Cole's proved himself to be reasonable this season. You Okay, you can't say they have a particularly strong tight end core, and you'd like to think they probably do still need help pretty much everywhere for that team. But it's it's one of those if they really are serious about going for Trevor Lawrence, then you have to bring in Glennon just to sort of calm any hysteria of oh we could get some wins and we could leapfrog Houston and yeah we could still look like a respectable team. And it's like that's not the way that you rebuild so to speak. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Minshew is back on the bench when the Jags come back off their bye. It just feels that way. James Robinson is about the only player on that team who is showing himself credit at the moment. The offensive line, they need pretty much a whole new one. Defense, they need time to develop because they're mostly rookies at the moment. And yeah, it's just it's almost a sad sight, really. They, they they've looked like they've been in contention so many weeks and then just fallen apart. So it's uh, yeah, that's 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 my th- two pence on that anyway. Yeah, no, I completely see where you're coming from because it will be a very difficult transition to if Minshew picks himself up now, starts to get them a few wins. The, the the hysteria will build up again. They'll get further and further away from that number one overall pick because looking at the Jets and the Giants you're going to need two absolute maximum wins to, to get that first overall pick. One is probably going to do it this year. So you're very quickly in danger and going out and beating the Colts week one. What was that all about, that one win? And all it takes is for Minshew to just get two wins towards the end of the season to, to be too far away from Trevor Lawrence, like you say. So if the front office has made that decision, that there is an element of tactics to play for it for this season now, put, put Mr. Neck in. And, um, and to get the win. 
But um, yeah, James Robinson, tip my cap to you, sir. Which leads us nicely onto your honourable mention, please, James. Yeah, I'm staying with running backs. And since you leapfrogged me, I'll pick a guy off your team. <laughs> so I'm going for Jeff Wilson, which this is kind of a bittersweet honourable mention because we know now he has a high ankle sprain and will be missing for a good few weeks after what was frankly an incredible performance by himself as well. All, you know, all this week I've been talking about Jarek McKinnon being you know, a fantastic play and he was almost a non-entity in this game because Jeff Wilson just took it. As a questionable going into the game and many people were saying, ah, pick up Jermichael Hasty. Wilson might not play. And in the end, Wilson played and he dominated. He touched the ball 19 times, 17 carries for 112 yards and three touchdowns. Another triple touchdown performer on the week. Um, adding in eight yards on two catches from two targets on top of that as well. And it seems to not matter who the running back is in San Francisco. If you are a running back there, you have a chance of going off. It's just you don't know which one of the three of you in the room is going to be that guy week on week if you're outside the room, like we are as fantasy people. So it was one of those where he would have been the least played out of McKinnon, Hasty, and Wilson, I'm sure. And those who decided to take that punt were very, very generously rewarded with 32 PPR points. Um, obviously, now he's going to be missing for a while. So the switch becomes, you know, does Jermichael Hasty get in? Or has Tevin Coleman found himself coming back into the team at exactly the moment he is needed? Um, you'll have to wait for the hype train article for my opinion on that because mm -hmm. one of them is a main feature and one of them is a side feature. So one is in the first class and one is in the honourable mentions. So that's a bit of a um, clickbait, shall we say. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the 49ers, I mean, let's let's be fair, talk, thinking about that game, how bad were the Patriots? Oh, Cam Newton getting benched, throwing three interceptions. Jarrett Stidham came in and was no better than Cam Newton, frankly. It was just a non-start for them. They picked up a couple of injuries along the way, but Patriots don't do too well against the run. And like you say, Jeff Wilson came along and dominated on the ground. And Jimmy G didn't have to pass the ball. He only threw the ball 25 times. What a stat line from Jimmy G, by the way. 80% <laughs> completion rate on 25 passes. Brilliant. 277 yards, which again, off 25 passes for 20 completions is pretty damn good. No touchdowns, two interceptions, and the team wins 33-6. Like, <laughs> what kind of stat line is that? that... 10 points in fantasy, despite 80% completion rate and over 200 yards. Yeah, like, just... That, that can't happen particularly often. No, it, it can't. And it was just one of those weird stat lines, same with Pat Mahomes, like the amount of fantasy points he scored, considering that the Chiefs put up over 40, was um, <laughs> was, was quite something. Um, but yeah, it's, again, this, oh, we're, just, we're just in the flow now, James. You've, you've segued, segued me on perfectly to, to my bust of the week, and that is Jerick McKinnon. He was uh, one of two players to score negative fantasy points this week. Well, Jerick McKinnon had... Um, negative in both PPR and standard because he didn't get any uh, interceptions. Yep. Uh, but Chase Claypool did post up. Well, sorry, D.D. Westbrook as well in the last game, but that's because he fumbled, <laughs> fumbled on a kick return. So that doesn't count because no one started him. 
But uh, yeah, Jarrett McKinnon and Chase Claypool are two people that most likely started in a lot of leagues this week and both put up negative fantasy points. There's Cam got to be some... not, didn't he? I think Cam was negative in some in a lot of leagues. Yeah, it, I think it all depends if you have four or two for your for your interceptions. Um, oh, yeah, and, the, and there's there's ones where yeah, you lose points. I know you didn't fumble, but you, you lose points to your fumble as well. But um, now I've got him on Fantasy Pros as negative. Yeah, I've got the Bengals, the Raiders, the Texans, D.D. Westbrook, Jerick McKinnon, uh, Chase Claypool. And sorry, Tim Boyle, I'm doing you a massive disservice. You once <laughs> again got negative fantasy points because you came in and knelt for Aaron Rodgers. So uh, yes, I do apologise. And the only reason that Easton Quick, Easton Quick, Easton Stick, Stick, that's the one. Rams was quick. Uh, the only reason that he didn't was because he had the one completion for four yards and Herbert went off because he did come in and kneel for Herbert as well. Anyway, we digress onto quarterbacks kneeling. They don't count because you do not start backup quarterbacks in fantasy games. Uh, Jerry McKinnon, there's got to be something up with him. Like the way he started the season, for then Master to go out and then for him to get three carries for minus one yard, I. Uh, yeah, he's, he's battling an injury of some kind because there is no way that Kyle Shanahan uses a running back that is being paid of his quality that is being paid that much money in this way. And yeah, no discredit to Jeff Wilson. Came in, had a fantastic game. Cal Juszczyk getting his second Russian touchdown of the season. Uh, my boy Kyle is, yeah, he's he not scored a Russian touchdown for years and years and years. And now he's had two in, I think it's three weeks uh, since he had his last one. But um, in this one, the, the 49ers, to add to their injury woes, as you've already mentioned, James, lost Jeff Wilson. And they've also lost Debo Samuel for a few weeks as well. So it never rains, but it does indeed pour. And for the 49ers to be blowing teams out like the Patriots this much when they've got the injuries that they've got, yeah, I feel sorry for the rest of the league when we get fully healthy. But again, I've completely railroaded your segment, James. Is there anything you want to add on this game? Um. No, because you've segued nicely into the um, busts, the busts of the week. So yeah, over to your bust. No, um, well, this this is kind of a double-edged sword, and it feels weird talking about the Chiefs and specifically Travis Kelsey on National Tight End Day being a bust <laughs> in a game where the Chiefs scored forty-three points. However, it has to be done because he had three targets. Yes, he caught all three for 31 yards, but no touchdown, 6.1 points in PPR. And in essence, that game was the Chiefs defense completely railroading the Denver offense and almost scoring, well, doing a lot of the work themselves, to be honest. Kyber was that's hard for me to say. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I knew I'd struggle with him eventually. Had a decent game and meant Le'Veon Bell was a bit of a non-feature as well. But the Mahomes-Kelsey connection just wasn't needed in this game. It was to the point where they were so far ahead, they were just coasting. And there was a point where Mahomes was starting to look like my bust of the week. But, um, you know, a few more passes at the end sort of helped that. Um, but... Yeah, just not what you're expecting, especially in blowout wins, but it's just one of those seasons where anything can happen. So, but 
while we're here, though, Byron Pringle with one of the crispest 102 yards ever. Yep, it was uh, it was quite the quite the return, and just proof that the Chiefs can get points from anywhere. Like, yeah, they've just got that many weapons. I think you've got to run a sub four, 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 three, even forty to to, to qualify for that Chiefs team. But so many weapons everywhere in the snow. It was just a complete domination in that one. It was um, just another day at the office, really, for the Chiefs, and I think. Denver obviously have been ravaged with with injuries over the course, and the, the Chiefs bounced back from the, the loss against the, the Raiders in absolute style. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, six carries, thirty nine yards. It wasn't the you almost expected that. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. Like... He's still feeling his way into that team, and you still have Clyde Edwards-Helaire who is on fire. That's you. You don't really any any thoughts that Edwards-Helaire was going to end up taking a back seat would were ridiculous. And yes, there, there will eventually be a timeshare. And there is every possibility that we are going to come to fantasy playoff season and suddenly Bell will have the big game while they rest Hilaire ready for the actual playoffs. It's You can almost see it coming. It's just it, something like this happens every year. But for the interim, you know, while the season is still in play and you're still trying to rack up those wins, you're going to be running with Edwards Hilaire the whole time if you're the Chiefs. I'll tell you what I've just noticed. And Go on. that is the Chiefs scored 43 points and ran 47 plays. <laughs> that is insane. That is as good as a point per play. And I don't think you're ever going to see a. No, note as well as a potential honorable mention the Chiefs defense got 30 points this week. Yeah. The, and. Uh, pick six and the kick return touchdown help into those. And who do they have next week? Don't tell me it's the Jets. It's the Jets. It's the Jets. Oh. If you pick them up and played them this week against Denver, it's just a, ah, let's just leave that in there, shall we? Kind of oh, situation. That's a, cover your children's eyes. <laughs> that's going to be brutal. Oh, especially oh, if like Jameson Crowd is still out as well. That's going to be just horrendous. Ooh, yeah. But on the other side of the ball, we saw for the first time, well, since week one for about 10 snaps, Lindsay and Gordon sharing the same backfield. Uh, Lindsay was clearly the, the beneficiary of the carries to begin the game, but then left the game with a concussion. And uh, Melvin Gordon finished the game with, with 17 rushes for 68 yards, a touchdown, and uh, two receptions for a further 12 yards as well. So... Turned out to be a nice, nice enough game for Melvin Gordon, considering the game script and that he was sharing the carries. What, what are your thoughts on this one, James, for the, for the season moving forward? Because Lindsay was clearly the guy until he got injured, but if he is set to miss any time now, is does Melvin Gordon become a an every week starter again? Even though there's a potential suspension looming, he, it's, it's a really difficult on this one. It's messy and. The more you sort of look at the Broncos, the more you think they're starting to be the, do we really want to win? Do we need to think about our draft capital situation? Because So they've just been ravaged by injuries and they've struggled with the depth. And it all of that put together with, you know, struggling performances and Drew Locke, obviously you've been out for a while, came back and hasn't been brilliant so far. 
you you can sort of it doesn't work, work you know all come together to mean oh effective running game you, you, you kind of can't see them you know being in a position where they can you know use it shall we say even if they had it um say Melvin Gordon's never been particularly convincing for them so far I wouldn't say but um he is still the guy and he if you know with Lindsay back out of the way again it's purely on volume that he is a must play even though he's not the greatest must play of the league shall we say and if, if they had Cortland Sutton he'd be even less of a play but Right now, it's the fact that their wide receivers are Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy and and KJ Hamler. And at the moment, Judy is serviceable but not spectacular. Patrick's been good, but he now might be out injured. Noah Fan came back and ended up wasn't even the top tight end. It was Albert O. I'll <laughs> let you fill in the rest of the uh, vowels and consonants on that one. But um, yeah, it's... The offense is kind of painful, not just to predict, but just to, you know, even feel like having to play any of them in fantasy at the moment, apart from, you know, Melvin Gunn's about the only one that you can. And even that's below a number of players. Yeah, but they have got some some nice uh, defenses. They have got some nice rushing matchups for the rest of the season. So mm. if we can get a clear winner out of that Gordon Lindsay race, then um, I'm sure there's fantasy points galore. But with Lindsay's concussion and uh, Melvin Gordon's potential suspension coming up, then which has gone worryingly quiet. Like obviously he got, he got arrested, DUI. He seemed to apologise to the Broncos, and that that was it. A slap on the wrist and thought. It's, I don't know whether it's uh, it got it got swept under the carpet when the news of Antonio Brown coming back into the league came <laughs> out. Then the yeah. NFL suddenly had to shift all its resources to, oh, wait, he still has things hanging over him, doesn't he? And then suddenly Marvin Gordon picked the right moment to kind of catch him off guard. But, um, yeah, there's still... It, anything could happen with that and it could come at any moment. But as it stands, while he's still eligible, you, you can still play him, even though... Yeah, it's not in a. It's not exactly a plus matchup anytime, even against good Russian defenses, mm. unless it's you know the Jets or the Giants or the Jags. Yeah, but these these stat lines baffle me. So one team in this game had twenty two carries, the other had thirty three, and one team won forty three sixteen. Like just completely <laughs> the wrong way around. So yeah, bizarre. Throw the ball more, Denver. That's my advice to you. So we head over into the penultimate section of the show. And James, it is that time we have a little sneak peek at the NFL Hype Train article. Who is your top waiver wire pickup for week eight and beyond? So my main guy this week is going to be Carlos Hyde. Purely because Chris Carson is due to be out now for at least one week and probably multiple um, after the injury sustained this week. Uh, I can't remember what it was already, which is really bad of me. But um, yeah, Carlos Hyde is, you know, a serviceable running back. And, you know, he had a reasonable time of it last season in Houston. And as the cover, you know, fill in for Chris Carson, he's already done it this season and been reasonably effective. And now with a bit of a longer run, they do still need a pass catching and rushing running back for that offense to be as effective as it is. Even if you throw the ball every single time to Tyler Lockett, you need something to, you know, 
either trick the defense or at least get some people in the box so that you can allow you know Metcalf and Lockett to run. So you still need to have enough of a run game there uh, to be able to be effective. So Carlos Hyde is going to get work. And to be fair, he did get work in the passing game this week as well, even without having, you know, without being the starter, shall we say. So there is definitely room for him to actually get points on a weekly basis while Carson is out. So, you know, I just feel like it's, I've said every week that the running back position is horrible in the waiver wire. This week might be one of those rare weeks where there's, you know, three or four that are actually, you know, potentially you can plug them into your roster. And that's without including Chase Edmonds, who's, you know, been in the article a few times and, and JD McKissick, who's been in there a few times. Um, they can finally get kicked out because they're now owned enough that I don't have to consider them. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hyde seems to be you know the guy I want. I mean, this week, once Carson was out, 15 carries for 68 yards and a touch, I believe, and three receptions for eight yards on top of that. So he will get some receiving work because previous this season, he'd only had three catches in total. So when Carson's out, they are willing to use him. So And they're going to have to. So in a high-powered offense, you can do worse. Yeah, running back 11 on the week in PPR. Considering he didn't start the game, he finished ahead of David Johnson, London Fournette, Derek Henry, James Connor, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Melvin Gordon, Rojo, just the names that he finished above considering he didn't start. That's a, a nice bit of production there for Carlos Hyde, which leads me on to mine. And I am going to go for somebody who is not going to be owned in very many leagues at all. And that is Rashad Higgins, the wide receiver in Cleveland, who, yeah, OBJ out for the season. He has torn his ACL on a tackle. And that's just the worst thing about this injury is that Baker through the pick, uh, OBJ goes in for the tackle and he kind of just leaps over the, the returner and ends up tearing his ACL. He will miss the rest of the season. And we've got to look at the target split here. Uh, Rashad Higgins was the biggest beneficiary of targets in this game. He had six for six receptions and 110 yards. Baker and him have hooked up in the past. They, they've had some nice chemistry. Uh, Rashad Higgins hasn't started the season particularly well. But with Landry seemingly not being the person that he, he is typically, I think Rashad Higgins is going to be the biggest beneficiary of OBJ missing time. A lot of people will go out and get Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had his first three career receptions in this one for 56 yards and a touchdown. So a nice day there for him as well. But it is Rashad Higgins that I am putting my money on as being the biggest beneficiary there. It was a uh, some, some decent fantasy talking points in this one. Obviously, the, the game was very topsy-turvy and it was a great game to watch. But Baker Mayfield throwing 297 yards for, for five touchdowns. He... Uh, through his intercept, well, he he well, made five incompletions and an interception to start the game, and then uh, and then through twenty-one consecutive times to to finish out the game. His only other incompletion came on the spike at the end of the game. So a, a decent enough day for Baker Mayfield. Jarvis Landry had another throw in there for for nineteen yards. Kareem Hunt, it wasn't the most prolific day for him, but eighteen carries for for seventy-six yards, and then. A little bit of receiving work for him as well, including the touchdown. David Njoku got on the score sheet with a touchdown. Uh, Harrison Bryant, four receptions, 56 yards and two out. touchdowns. So, yeah, in this in this tight end world, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people heading to, to, to Harrison Bryant. Is he 
I'm, I'm digging a bit too deep now, but is there a, is he a featured on the on the hype train? He's in the honourable mention category because I can't let you know two touchdown catches pass me by, especially considering I'm not 100 percent sure how long Austin Hooper is going to be out for, and how much I believe that David Njoku is never going to be an answer in Cleveland, even if he had a touchdown this week. But um, yeah, now Harris, you've got to remember that each player has to sort of break out and become a thing at some point. And maybe this was Harrison Bryant's moment. But um, yeah, you, you're he's going to be owned in every deep, deep league now. So it's just you know he's just going to creep up that chart of how deep the league has to be for him to be owned. But um, it was a fantastic performance on National Tight End Day for him. And I mean, it's one of those games where it really paid to have the surname Higgins. Because both T and Rashad both got 17-plus PPR points. Um, T Higgins with a touchdown and Rashad Higgins with over 100 yards receiving. So um, (laughs) if you had a lineup where you had two Higginses as your starting wide receivers, you did better than you expected. (laughs) And and to be fair, novelty value, pretty high. Yeah. Just... How, how is 2020 going if you've had to start T and Rashad Higgins? Well, T Higgins, no, I started him in a couple of leagues. He's, he's, he's done a decent job, but that is that is very quickly becoming a very productive wide receiver core in Cincinnati. So Joe Burrow, the rookie, had 35 completions out of 47 attempts for 406 yards, three touchdowns, but an interception. And but he also had uh, 34 rushing yards for a touchdown as well. Again, one of these players that has just got the rushing upside to, to really boost their fantasy stats. But Tyler Boyd, 13 targets, 11 receptions, 101 yards, and a touch. He had a stellar PPR week. Well, he had a stellar standard as well, but especially in PPR. And AJ Green, where's he come from? Like everyone had written AJ Green off, even AJ Green truthers had written AJ Green off. And he pops up with another 15.2 fantasy points here. T. Higgins, as you've just mentioned, James, he had the the five receptions for 71 yards and a touch. Jay Bernard had a touchdown, 59 yards and a touch in the air to go with his 13 carries as well. So he's a serviceable option. Whilst Joe Mixon is out, because that's that's always been a knock on Joe Mixon's game, is that he doesn't get enough passing work. But while Gio was deputising for him, he he had the, the receiving work there. Mike Thomas had 54 yards. Drew Sample had 52 yards. There was a lot of players with a lot of work here. And at this point, there's a lot of players I wanted to start. Obviously, I'm not wanting to start Mike Thomas. Um, Drew Sample is, is a fine uh, tight end option in this day and age. Although, to be fair, I have picked up Drew Sample in the, the tight end, in the tight end, two tight end. Full ten, yard, full 10 yards, two tight end auction league. I have picked him up, so uh, that let that be the warning to, to you all. But yeah, that Cincinnati Bengals team, James, looks pretty decent. Yeah, I think, say, Burrow's been given a plethora of options and he seems to be trying all of them. He's he's like the kid in the candy store with free reign to try before he buys and he's just picking every single sweep, but many of them multiple times, but... In sort of the early part of the season, when you know they were still feeling, well, you know, feeling themselves out for the season, um, Tyler Boyd was one of those guys I wanted to try and trade for, and he succeeded in many leagues, and that's already looking like a solid investment. And you know, say many weeks we've talked about T Higgins being a guy who you know is on the up and up, and his guy you need to be picking off waivers, and he's starting to deliver. Um, you know, the, it's, it's almost like the only disappointment is that all our calls on AJ Green are going to have to be
be tempered ever so slightly by, okay, he did have some time where he was decent. Um, and I say that, you know, tongue in cheek being a disappointment because that's just more, you know, I wish to be, you know, correct most of the time. But for AJ Green, it's it's nice to see that he's unretired himself for a little while, shall we say. Um, but that's what having a quarterback who's nicely acclimatizing himself to the league will do. And it's it's an interesting thing. When you look at that division, you've got Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, and Ben Roethlisberger. When Ben does leave the Steelers, when he does finally hang it up and retire, the Steelers have to hope they get a good young quarterback in that is going to be able to you know take over. Because, I mean, the, Steelers, the rest of the Steelers roster is fantastic, but you know, when, when Ben goes, you just have to wonder. So, but that's, that, that's a conversation for an off season. Maybe not even this one. Yeah, it's, yeah, very, very difficult one there. But the Bengals, I believe, are in a perfect position, really. So they have only won one. Uh, they, ha- they have had a tie in there. But they're in a position where they are showing enough promise but they are still going to have a nice high draft pick next year to just, again, add some more weapons in there, get get right on defence. Like, we, we don't need any more weapons on, on offence. Like, maybe sure up the offensive line a little bit. We're, we're going to have to have a conversation about Joe Mixon at some point. But whether he gets traded and they start again at the position, or what, I'm not sure. But, yeah, get some pieces on defence, really get going in there. And they're in a position where they're going to lose a lot of games this year. Nice high draft pick but there is enough to show from the rookie and what he's got around him. They're doing it right. And they're going to do kind of like almost what the Dolphins did. So have the rebuild, get to uh, put him in place and then start to start to build up from there. Complete rebuild. So uh, since he, it'll take, take a couple more years, but they, they will be challenging for that point, especially like you say, when the Steelers are on the way down after Ben goes. And um, I think the Ravens will be up there for a few years to come. So, Trades. Time to talk about trades. And again, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna leapfrog because I want to talk about this game again. And I am trading for Nick Chubb, who currently is on IR. He is due back apparently after the bye, so that'll be in week ten for Cleveland. And I'm trading for him purely for one reason, and that is because his schedule in weeks fifteen and sixteen is beautiful. Cleveland are facing up against the New York Giants and the New York Jets, and there is the ability there for Nick Chubb to run forever. So I am very much going to get Nick Chubb at the moment because he will come back healthy. He will take those carries off Kareem Hunt again, and he will go ham against the Giants and the Jets. It's not the best running for him. He's got the Baltimore Ravens the week before, so that'll be a a tough matchup for him. But those week 15 and 16 matchups are so, so tasty. Trade for Nick Job. James, who have you got as your trade for? So, yeah, I've got a guy you know, I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned already, but it's for a game that we've already talked about, but I'm actually sure we talked about him, and it's Brandon Ayuk. Um, because, say, some of the other upshot from the 49ers game is that Debo Samuel, you know, having had, was having a decent game, and then he's gone down injured and will likely miss the next few weeks himself. So suddenly Brandon Ayuk finds himself as the number one wide receiver for that team. And he himself had a decent day with six, you know, six receptions, 115 yards, no touchdown, but he was, he's been 
used very effectively throughout the season. Shanahan schemed him in well. He can do things Debo can do, but he can do other things that are fancy as well. And, you know, with Debo out of the way, there is going to be more of an emphasis on him. And while Jimmy Garoppolo is not exactly, you know, we've talked about the fact that he had no touchdown passes and two interceptions and a pretty poor day when it comes to fantasy, he does often have bad game, good game in recent times. And he could well find himself next week, you know, could be him and I with a connection going. Um, so I very much want Ayuk on my side. He's in waivers in, you know, three quarters of leagues, I believe, you know, if, if they're reasonably shallow. So um, I'd, if he's available, I'd be picking him up. Hence, he is in the article as well. But if he is on a roster, I'm considering training because he also has dynasty value. And, you know, short and long-term benefit for a guy you don't get particularly often. And while Jimmy Garoppolo is not putting up great stats, people aren't going to be believing in the wide receivers as much um, as they probably should, really. I think Samuel and Ayuk are both, you know, fine options, especially, you know, with so many bye weeks coming up now with plenty of plug and play that you're going to have to do. I'd want Ayuk as one of my plug-in options all day at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And you, you've just mentioned it there. So much of trading is kind of putting that narrative behind the story as well. So when you're looking at Ayuk, you're saying, yeah, but Jimmy G's throwing to him. Jimmy G's not getting touchdowns. Jimmy G's only throwing the ball 25 times a game. So it's about putting that narrative in there. But you know that Brandon Ayuk, all he has to do is touch the ball once and he can he can clear off for the, for the long oh, touchdown. Yeah. He'll get carries. He'll get used in so many different ways other than your traditional wide receiver where Jimmy Garoppolo is just throwing in the ball, target, target, target. He's not that kind of player. He's so much more than that. Well, in a very different way. But um, yeah, like I say, James, you've just got to put that narrative behind it sometimes. Yeah, with with Diabar out, his floor goes up. But you, you play it that he's stealing hasn't gone up either whereas it has but it for you for you're trading because the floor is going higher yeah. but when you're trading for someone you know your opposition manager unless they're listening to us yeah. <laughs> um won't necessarily think that oh you know they're, they're training for a, you know they want their high floor candidate as their bye week filling or you know with a high upside they're just thinking well he's just the guy and that's where Hopefully you steal in and pick in a guy who you know can get you 20 plus points on a week, potentially, easily. Now you've just got me thinking there, James. It's a bit of a double-edged sword because if we give really, really good fantasy advice, people aren't going to recommend us because they'll think, right, got a couple of gems here in David and James, so I'm going to keep them to myself. But that on the other side, if we give really bad fantasy advice, then people just aren't going to listen to us full stop. So um, maybe we need to start deliberately giving out tough advice and tell people that they need to listen to us so ah. that they can give the bad advice and get the trade thing. So it's like the double reverse psychology. Right. Okay. So next week, my start of the week is going to be uh, Buddy Howell, the, the Texans. <laughs> Texans running back. So um, where you've got him, pick up Buddy Howell, start. David Johnson's not going to do anything next week. That is my key piece of advice. Yeah, so. QB, QB one on the week will be Chad Henney because he he clearly came in for Mahomes. He could be injured. Who knows? He came in, managed to rush a touchdown in at the end of the game, yeah. Yeah. which something that we haven't mentioned and is hilarious and is also hilarious because I have Chad Henney, I may have mentioned this on the pod before, was the 101 in the loser league that we have. The idea is to score the lowest number of points, but above zero. And uh, he was on my bench and would have been a better option than the zero I got from Matt Barkley, which equals 15. But uh, (laughs) 
yeah, let's get back to being genuine because it's actually really hard to deliberately be rubbish. Is that <laughs> so, James, do you want to double up and go straight into your trade away candidate for me, please? Yeah, and I mean, it's not the best time to be trading him away, but while name value is still there and while you still have a positive narrative, I am putting Mike Evans up here. He's had two weeks in a row where he has had basically at most two receptions. Uh, this time, neither of them had touchdowns attached to them, which is kind of, you know, where a lot of his value has been of late. Apart from, there has been three games where he has had more than two receptions so far out of seven, uh, which is kind of alarming, really. Um and this is an offense that potentially could be getting Antonio Brown in there as well. And apparently Antonio Brown was a Brady request. Mm. And he that he's at, he said that when he joined the team, he wanted Brady, well, Brady wanted Gronk and A B on the team once A B suspension had run out and Gronk would prove himself ready and fit. Gronk's now coming up roses and starting to look like the Gronk we knew, which surprises many people, I think. But he's starting to look pretty good again. Um, and if AB comes in, you're not going to want to, you know, factor Chris Godwin out of the game. But it looks like Mike Evans is the casualty. In you know, people like Scotty Miller keep getting in. Tyler Johnson's finding time as well. Um, yeah, that offense is dangerous because it has so many weapons, but they are going to start vulturing off each other. And I think it's going to be that Godwin and Gronk might be the two that are the most reliable because even the running backs with Rojo and Fournette, I mean, they're even candidates for this sector because they've both been, you know, Rojo's got high value at the moment because he's been putting in performance after performance. But this week, Fournette seemed to get an awful lot of the play and, it could be one where it's hard to decide between the two, even though Rojo has the form, Fournette maybe gets the touches. So that Tampa Bay offense is both fantastic and dangerous, you know, and risky for fantasy. So, but yeah, while Mike Evans still has name value, and whilst you can sort of spin the narrative that, oh, don't worry, he'll turn around. Once AB's out there, people will, you know, stop doubling Mike Evans and worry, you know, they'll start thinking Godwin and then think, oh gosh, they got Antonio Brown. They're all going to open up and, you know, the attention will go his way. I just think that, yeah, but that attention might well go on Godwin or on Brown and you're not going to be able to predict what week Evans is going to be big. And I just don't feel like it's a risk we're taking considering what you might be able to get back. Yeah, it's who'd have thought that we'd be talking about Mike Evans in this way. He is such a talented receiver. And is it crazy to say that he could be like a week nine trade before before the end of the before the end of the NFL trading window? Like we trade about- trade away for the Bucks. I I thought that as soon as the A B news broke, I thought, well, that's Mike Evans on the block, uh, if not already got a suitor. But the problem is, and sort of when there was, you know, there were rumblings earlier in the week about Michael Thomas potentially being traded, and I was like, "Well, that's not going to be true because who would have him at the moment?" You know, injury ravaged, high um, cap hit, yeah. oh, and oh. on, on a t- he's only going to go to a team that's potentially got a chance of winning, and one of those that has cap room and needs a wide receiver are few and far between right now. So, and the th- that's the thing with Evans; it's 
is there really a landing spot where he fits? Where it Green makes Bay. <laughs> Green Bay. <laughs> we keep saying Green Bay, but if Green Bay have had so many opportunities to do it and they just haven't, that they're clearly just stubborn and won't. I mean, the, the Alan Lazard comes back in a few weeks' time, and even though he isn't the answer, Green Bay, it, I mean, we, I don't, we've barely touched on Devontae Adams, but you basically just throw it to him every time anyway. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need plan B, C, or D. You know, when Aaron Jones is out, just give Adams the ball. And when when Jones is in, you've got a plan A and a plan B that yeah. work seamlessly anyway. They don't they seem to have decided that they don't need anything. They just need to build they just want to build all the other pieces around it. But um yeah, I, I just don't see Green Bay ever going in for a wide out now because you know the ego bash to try and give a number two to Adams that was a one and feels like a one is maybe a bit too much of a kick in the teeth, even if it's a championship run. Well, I have seen an interesting rumour about John Ross headed over to Green Bay, which he's a field stretcher. He's extremely quick guy. He would be the the upgrade for, for MVS, but is he even that much of an upgrade for, for MVS at this point, James? Nah, I guess... Health is an issue. Experience is an issue. Um, clearly, you know, he, he had, when we've seen how good um, the Cincinnati offense has been, and he's just made no inroads. I mean, it's probably because you see more of the treatment table than you see in the practice field. And I don't necessarily think a change of scenery necessarily changes that because he's had enough opportunity in the times he's been, in the time he's been there. And, you know, MBS is familiar with, you know, the Packers in general. I don't think it'd be an upgrade, but the Packers probably do need to think about doing something. I mean, once Lazard's back, you'd say that, yeah, at least you've got a little bit of distraction, but it turns out Devontae Adams can have as many distractions as he likes. He's still going to get the ball and still going to catch it. So, yeah, Green, Green Bay is puzzling in general, but they clearly know how to psych up. Hey, Rod. Okay, New England then. New England need a wide receiver. So one of them, either Evans, John Ross, or Mike Thomas, ends up in New England. That's my that's my prediction for the week. Now. It's possible. It, well, if, if they had a quarterback who could pass, then it would help. But um, yeah, well, the, let's be honest. Cam, Cam's, you know, this, well, this week proved how bad it is. Stidham's not the answer. Ho's not the answer. They need a quarterback before they can think about having legitimate wide receivers. Albeit, I do see your point because Edelman is now done. He is now washed. Yeah, it is. I think Edelman. He, it, 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 that like monster week he had in week two, I think, was his final salvo. That was his sort of goodbye game. Effectively, it seems to be game over from there. And now, you know, New England throwing to wide receivers that we didn't know existed. Which you know, when it's wide receiver by committee and you don't know who any of them are, it's you know it, the wide receiver game's gone the same way as the run game and the tight end game's gone the same way. It's like the Patriots are a team where you barely know anybody anymore. Yeah, really, really weird place after Tom Brady's departure. And finally, we will look at my tradeaway candidate. And I said to you off air, James, that there was a little bit of a little bit of a, a twist on this one because it is going to be Kareem Hunt who I've, I've already recommended that we trade for Nick Job, but Kareem Hunt, 
I find this really difficult to to say because he has been decent. He was again the the, the running back eight on the week, but for some reason I just expected more from him. I I I, I feel like I'm being really harsh on the guy because he he has come in and put some put some decent fantasy numbers up, but I just feel like I expected that little bit more from him. And Nick Chubb is going to come back and take a lot of the work off him. And he's going to lose his carries again. He is going to be reliant on his on his receiving game. And if he hadn't have had the touchdown, and we, we can't play fantasy like this because he did get the touchdown, then his fantasy week would have taken a hit. So there's something that just doesn't quite sit right with me with Kareem Hunt. And I think it's weird how it's flipped from the start of the season. So at the start of the season, we were saying draft Hunt because his value was a lot lower than Chubb's. Chubb's been drafted too high. But now their values are completely switched because obviously Chubb's on IR and Hunt's getting the volumes. But um, yeah, I think Chubb will come back in and be the better back for the rest of the season once he does come back. So here's a question for you, James. Would you do Hunt for Chubb straight up? Which, which side of the ball would you rather take at this point? To be fair, you've convinced me that because of the rest of the season, because Chubb will go into the fantasy playoffs healthy, I'd probably want the Chubb side, albeit it really depends on record. If I'm, you know, if I've if I've got more than if I've got five wins or more, I want the Chubb side. If I'm sort of three wins area, three, four, I probably want Hunt because I need the wins now. Yeah. Um, but it's knowing that, you know, that's coming. I mean, there's every chance that in those final games that both Hunt and Chubb could both go off. Yeah. To be fair. It might be that, you know, they rest, they sort of give Chubb that little bit longer to rest and let Hunt run riot. Or they may even just choose to, you know, you know what, just, just pass it a bit more as well. Um, but I think there's every possibility that they're fighting to get a wild card spot. Um, maybe even taking it to the Ravens potentially and trying to get you know, the second spot in that division. So, yeah, it's it, it's very much situational, some of, the, some of the trades at the moment, I would say. But, you know, in, in a complete and utter vacuum, I'd want Hunt purely because for the duration of the fantasy season, he's going to get more points. It's just where, you know, you may just end up that at crunch time, you want the other option. So it depends how much of a buffer you've got. Don't get too many splinters in your bum, James. <laughs> okay let's close out the show so james where can we find you on twitter as always find me at nfl hype train two 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 indeed we have got the hype train article dropping tomorrow after the conclusion of the los angeles rams and the chicago bears so keep your hashtag eyes peeled for that. Of course, on the fantasy side of things, we will have the trades on Wednesday. We will have your starts and sits in time for the Thursday game. We will have start and sit and give them on Friday. And then headed into the weekend, we will have your DFS content, your injury updates, your rankings, your start, sits, everything all in one place at F10Y Fantasy. And make sure you head over to the website, www.full10yards.com. Some really great articles going out there at the moment, particularly a couple from, from Lawrence. Uh, he's gone into an NFL deep dive on rookie wide receivers. And he has also done a very great piece on uh, celebrating all 104 starting black signal callers in this Black mm. History Month. So make sure it's you head one. over to check that out because... Here at Full 10 Yards, we just love everybody. We're a very inclusive bunch. So, uh, yeah, make sure you check out to celebrate all Black Signal Callers in Black History Month. I have been David Davenport. You can find me at dav underscore F10Y. 
Thank you very much for listening, and we will speak to you on Friday. You've been listening to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website, www.full10yards.com, where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football, and even Britball. Thanks for listening, and remember, folks, keep those eyes peeled. Mm-hmm.